What was your favorite part of Christmas as a kid? Christmas morning. What else? Why? Why Christmas morning? Surprise. Presents. What else? What was your favorite part about Christmas when you were a little kid? What? The Christmas, Christmas story of the movie. Yeah, that's good. Anybody else? These, these folks up here are real talkative, but no one ever, you guys are silent tonight. No school. Awesome. Pecan pie. Mmm, that's good. Breakfast for dinner. Yeah, I had an awesome brunch this morning. I, was miss, I haven't had pecan pie yet. Man. Getting together with family. Yeah. Christmas tree. Um, well, for me as a kid, and I bet if all of you were honest, um, you might say that maybe the, the number one thing you loved about Christmas was getting presents, right? We love getting presents. Like I said, we've already had a few Christmas celebrations already, and I'm just watching my three-year-old, soon-to-be four-year-old son, like, go insane opening presents. He just loves it. We're like, Graham, you, are you tired of opening gifts? No, more presents. Little kids unashamedly love opening presents. Little kids know what it's like to joyfully receive but as you grow up, something happens. And as an adult, if you yell out and shout, my number one favorite thing about Christmas is getting presents, then other people will look at you like, that sounds a little bit selfish, right? Like this isn't all about you, right? Like as we grew up, we lose the art of joyfully receiving. We don't know what it's like just to receive presents like we did when we were a little kid. I've been thinking about this a lot the past few weeks and I've been wondering why. why. Why is that? Why does that happen to us as we grow up? Why do we lose the art of joyfully receiving? Well, I think if you look at our culture, on a surface level, our culture really values independence. As modern Western people, we love independence and self-sufficiency. We value things like strength and hard work and making it on your own in the world. But if you dig a little bit deeper, underneath all of those things, there's a whole lot of, a whole lot of shame, right? Because our independence, our self-sufficiency, our working hard, our strength, our making something of ourselves in the world proves to us that we have value, that we have worth. It gives us a sense of identity. We matter in the world because of the things we do. So our culture teaches us. That's deeply ingrained in every one of us. The things we don't like as modern Western people are things like being dependent, being needy, being poor, struggling, having to ask for help. Those things fly in the face of our modern sensibilities and they don't make us feel strong. Instead, they make us feel weak and vulnerable, and nobody likes feeling those things. And so as I've meditated on that, there's been something really profound in this story that has stood out and has stirred my heart and has challenged me and has brought me deep comfort. So I just want to spend a few minutes reflecting in this story on two words, two words that show up in verse 11 
Let me read to you again verses 10 and 11 in this familiar story. So the angels appear to the shepherds, and this is what the angels say as the shepherds respond in terror. It says that they're terrified. Here's what the angels say to them. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Listen to these couple words. For unto you, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. To you is born this day a savior, a baby, a son. It struck me maybe for the first time how weird of a thing that is to say, right? Like the baby was really born to Mary and Joseph. And here's an angel appearing to these shepherds who's, who's, they've never met Mary or Joseph. They have no, um, they have, uh, no uh, memory of Mary and Joseph, yet here the angel is saying to them that to you, a baby is born. Do you see how that's, that's odd? Like we have a couple of kids that have been born to us and I wouldn't say to any of you like, hey, to you, a son has been born and his name is Graham. Like it's a really strange and really intimate and personal thing to say. And it's really struck me. Now these shepherds were of course, good Jewish men. So they probably would have been familiar with a passage in Isaiah 9. And the angels are really clearly, they're not trying to be discreet about it. They're really clearly alluding to this passage in Isaiah chapter nine. Listen, listen to what Isaiah writes for us. For to us, a child is born. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, Prince of peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So what stands out to me upon first glance at that passage, and what's always stood out to me is, is the magnitude of this son who was born. Things like, of his, greatness, of his greatness and his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign and he will rule forever and ever. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father, the wonderful counselor. The government will be upon his shoulders. All these like really big and magnificent things about this son who was born. Those were the things that have, have always stood out to me. And the angel's announcement includes those things as well, right? Like a son has been born and it's gonna be good news of great joy for all the people. He's the Messiah, he's Christ, he's the Lord, he's the savior. These big things about the birth of this boy, Jesus. But we can't miss, and what I want you to see tonight is how deeply personal it is as well. To you, a child is born. To you, a son is given. He's for you. He belongs to you. You belong to him. He's yours. You're his. He's in you. You're in him. To you, a son is born. Now, this is a gift that we can do nothing other than receive. 
The shepherds did nothing to make this come about. All they could do was receive the gift that is this son who was born to them. And again, receiving, joyfully receiving without giving anything in return flies in the face of our modern sensibilities. But I'd say to you this, and this is the challenge that has struck me as I've meditated on this passage the last few weeks. So hear this, that until you can receive without giving anything in return, until you can just joyfully receive, you'll miss Christmas. Maybe Christmas, maybe Jesus will be this novel concept, maybe this sweet idea that has maybe sweet memories attached to it. But until you can simply receive, it won't capture your heart. You won't really get the love, the depth, the richness, the joy of Christmas until you learn to receive. This makes sense of what Jesus says in Luke chapter 18, Jesus says this as he's welcoming little children to be with him. He says, truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Remember when you were a little kid and you unashamedly received gifts. There was nothing in your heart that was like, oh, this is too much. Oh, you shouldn't have. You unashamedly received gifts. You, you knew what it was just to, just to joyfully receive. There's this beautiful yet really challenging quote from um, a martyr in the Catholic church, a bishop in El Salvador named Oscar Romero. Let me read for you this kind of longer quote, but it's so profound and so good. Here's what he says. No one can celebrate a genuine Christmas without being truly poor. The self-sufficient, the proud, those who, because they have everything, look down on others, those who have no need even of God, for them there will be no Christmas. Only the poor, only the hungry, only those who need someone to come on their behalf will have that someone. That someone is God, Emmanuel, God with us. Without poverty of spirit, there can be no abundance of God. Until you learn how to receive, until you learn the art of joyfully receiving, how to unashamedly receive, you'll miss it. And you won't get the depths and the richness that is Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. So let me close uh, by giving just two really practical practices that you can practice over the next few days as you maybe receive gifts as we celebrate Christmas tomorrow. Here are just a couple of things that you can practice to cultivate this poverty of spirit in your own heart and to not miss out on Jesus this Christmas. The first thing, how to cultivate the art of joyfully receiving is to receive with humility. Receive with humility. Because humility acknowledges your humanity. Like our culture values independence, but the reality is that you're human. So you're dependent by nature. Like it's not a 
deficiency to be dependent. Even Adam and Eve were dependent on God and one another. You're human, so you're dependent. You're not self-sufficient. You need people. You're not strong. You're not as strong as you'd like to believe you are. You're weak. So be humble. Acknowledge your humanity. Listen to these few verses. Let me just read them over you. From Philippians chapter 2, describing the humility of Jesus. Listen to to the depths of the humility of our Lord. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient all the way to the point of death, even death on a cross. What would it look like over these next few days for you to acknowledge your humanity and cultivate humility in your heart? The second practice that you can uh, put into practice these next few days is to receive with gratitude. Receive with gratitude. Because gratitude acknowledges the giver. Gratitude acknowledges that the things that you have, everything you have is a gift. And when you practice gratitude, it stirs up in your heart the reality that there's a giver and the giver is really generous and really kind and really benevolent and loving. Practicing gratitude points you to the grace of God. So what would it look like for you these next few days just to say regularly, God, I'm really grateful for this gift. I'm really grateful for the gift of of being with my family. I'm really grateful for the gift of this Space. I'm really grateful for the presence that I've received. I'm really grateful for Jesus. Practicing gratitude teaches you, it cultivates this, this art of joyfully receiving. 